Yesterday, all my troubles seem so fun. <laughs> Karaoke. Uh, welcome to the Ask Alika podcast, where we answer all your questions about business, marketing, and technology. All right, we are ready to rock and roll. I'm pumped for this episode. Episode, I don't even know what episode this is going to be, but I'm very pumped. I've got Darius Way with me. Darius, how are you going? Good, thanks. How are you? Okay, good. I'm going to introduce you. So, Darius is co-founder of Health Engine. Most people know what Health Engine is and what Health Engine does. It's a booking platform. If you want to see your GP, you know, book an appointment on Health Engine. If you want to see a dentist, if you want to see almost any medical practitioner, book it on Health Engine. They have 2 million users a month, 150 employees across the country. They are globally, oh, sorry, they are backed by a global VC, Sequoia, who are US-based and they've invested in high-profile startups like Apple, Google, Airbnb, to name a few. Health Engine are massive uh, and I believe you've outgrown your office again, Darius. Yeah, it seems like it. Um, we, I think we moved in around January or February and, you know, it's October, so what is that, eight months later and, yeah, we already <laughs> seem to be outgrowing it. You're already too big for you, it. You, you know when you see desks line the, the hallways? Yeah. Yep. You, you're yeah. sort of outgrowing it. <laughs> wow. And you guys have moved, what, six or seven times in the last Yeah, yeah, it feels like it. Years? So, we, uh, we used to be based out of Marcus, who's our CEO, his, his living room in Wembley and then at one point we moved to North Perth briefly and then uh god I think it was Subiaco where we shared offices with Alika. <laughs> uh and then we moved to Leaderville and then Osborne Park and then Northbridge and now we're in Murray Street in the city. Unbelievable. Well well done mate. I, I want to hear and so many people want to hear your story. So I've got some questions for you buddy and uh Look, you've had a pretty unusual journey mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's really unusual, especially and I'm not being racist by saying this, all right, and I'm Asian so I can say, but <laughs> especially for an Asian bloke, you, you've had a very unusual journey. You've switched careers a few times. So, tell me, you were studying medicine yep. in uni, mm-hmm. okay, then what happened? So, I, uh, I went four years in and... If- Basically, wasn't enjoying it for all sorts of reasons uh, and officially took two years leave. So, I always had the option to go back to medicine if I wanted to. Um, and in those two years, I did a computer science degree. So, it's usually a, a three-year degree, condensed it down to two um, and finished computer science. And it was at that point where, you know, I could obviously go back to medicine uh, but chose not to. Yeah. So, I ended up pursuing the path of, of computer science um and went out in the open world and did all sorts of different things well what'd your parents say were they happy about that um yeah i mean generally they were they they were fine i mean they they're not your typical asian parents i guess and oh good here here we are trying to be racist sorry not to be racist again right uh they they never pressured me to do medicine i mean i did medicine because i've always been passionate about health Um, but I think why I ended up, uh, 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 quitting and then moving on to computer science is I've always been positive about impact. And I know deep down inside, I'm a bit of a nerd, right? I solve problems. I'm a bit of a scientific thinker. I love my technology. So I tried to find ways, uh, to sort of, uh, align, you know, my passion in health, but my passion around making impact. Uh. And I think that's how health engine is sort of. Got right. to where it is today because I've managed to fuel those passions in what I do. Right. So it wasn't, it wasn't like, did you not like, so it wasn't like yet that you hated medicine, you know, the degree, the actual work, degree itself. 
Yeah, the yeah. It, it wasn't so much the, the degree. Like, it is what it is. I mean, you, you, you need to do the hard yards to be, become a doctor. And, you know, a lot of my friends are doctors and, and they've obviously been through a lot and I applaud them for, for, for you know, what they've done and, and where they're at today. Mm. But I was sort of looking, you know, fast forward a few years, what is it that I really want to do, right? Do I want to be doing ward rounds in a hospital? Do I want to be sitting in a <laughs> consultation room as a GP? No, that, that, that's not me. It's not you. Yeah. No. Wow. So then, okay, so what did you do after university? Yeah, so after after university, I um, I was doing a lot of consulting work. So I started up my own startup around app development and, and just general IT consulting. Still exists. It's kind of on the back burner today, um, only because a lot of my time and effort is focused on health engine. Um, but I, uh, I did also work as a software engineer at IBM. Um, did that for, I think it was about a couple of years. And then I ended up doing, um, some consulting work at Microsoft as well. Yeah. Um, and then it was around 2009 that, uh, that Marcus and I basically, um, got Health Engine up and running and the rest is history. Here we are today. It's yeah. Been about well, eight years or so. Like, did he, um, so did he tap you on the shoulder one day and say, Hey, I've got this, you know, opportunity. Do you want to come on board? And then you just went, okay. Yeah, kind of. Um, I mean, M- Marcus and I have actually always been family friends. Um, so our respective parents know each other pretty well. And, and, you know, you can ask Marcus this. He, he, he'll say he, he's known me since before I was born, which <laughs> is probably true. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so, so Marcus saw an opportunity to connect patients and practitioners. And, uh, you know, he was, is one guy. He's not a technologist by any means, right? So he was looking for assistance to, help build the platform that we're, that we're yeah. looking to build. And, and, um, I seem to be, a, you know, a natural go-to for him. So he tucked me on the shoulder, pitched the idea and, uh, yeah, I came on board. Wow. So, <clears throat> and that was what, what year was that? That was, uh, that was around 2009. Yeah. Cool. So why did you come on board? Um, because I saw the potential for change. Um, I saw a potential to move healthcare forward. Uh, and especially with healthcare, you know, you can ask many people and, and we're all consumers in this space, right? Sometimes yeah. it can feel like it's decades behind other industries. Look at how the, the retail sector has progressed. Look at how the, um, the travel sector has progressed. Mm. Yet in healthcare, you had an industry and to some degree it still exists, you know, an industry where people are bent on using paper records and, and fax machines. So, um, so for me, look, the value proposition was, was very simple, right? It, it, it it's not an overly complex problem, but mm. one which I saw, uh, you know, a lot of room for impact. And that was how do we simply connect patients and practitioners better? Yeah. Yeah. Great. So were you, when you started health engine, I mean, that would have been a bit of a risk for you going from like, you know, you had paid work consulting these big companies. To go into a startup, mm-hmm. were you scared? Were you excited? Were you stressed? Were you always confident that it would make it big? What were you thinking and feeling? Um, I think there's always that element of fear initially, um, and you know I, I don't I don't think that's uncommon. You give up a stable job, a good salary to do something completely new, right? Mm. Um, but you know, with that fear, I think excitement kicks in pretty quickly, and it definitely did for me, and. And, you know, at the end of the day, again, you know, I'll go back to what I said earlier. I've always been quite passionate about health. I've always been quite passionate about making impact in health. Mm. So for me, I sort of, um, told myself, you know, behind all that passion and tenacity comes a real potential. 
to uh, to deliver impact and value. And so, mm. um, and so I quickly put that fear aside and and looked at what the forward focus was and 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 you know stayed on the stayed on the path. Yeah. Well, now I just want to ask about um, the the passion for health. Did that did that were you born with that, or was that did something happen in your life to make you passionate about health? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I, you know, obviously we've all had pain points with regards to our interaction with the healthcare industry. So I think, no, you know, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I wasn't born with that sort of passion. A lot of it evolved over time as I sort of, um, mm. uh, interacted with the industry more and, 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 you know, had my own pain points, but also just talking to others, right? I studied medicine. Uh, you know, I, I, I saw how the industry worked. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I saw plenty of potential for there to be changed. Yeah, beauty. So, <clears throat> now there is a story which I'd love to hear more about. A le- it, it's like a legend or, <laughs> or a myth yeah. that I believe is true. Uh, look, I heard that you single-handedly developed the first-generation health engine app over Christmas in the year, what was it, 2000? I think it was probably about 2000. 10, 2011. Yeah. So, can you? So, what You're actually? Testing my memory. <laughs> <laughs> so, if you remember, and if you were sober, what, <laughs> definitely sober. <laughs> yeah, you'd be even more of a genius if you were, if you weren't sober and and produced it. But <laughs> what happened? Like, was it over Christmas that you developed this app, and did you do it by yourself? Yeah, you, you, like I said, you you really testing my memory here. I don't know if it was over Christmas, but it was definitely over the space of 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 a month or so. Yeah. Um, but I, I used to develop apps and contribute to the mobile industry a lot. This is even before the iPhone days. So, um, so I don't know if you remember the Windows mobile platform. There were pocket PCs and smartphones. Oh, yeah. You're yeah. rolling your eyes. Oh, yeah. 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 You yeah. definitely It was remember. a painful time in my life. It, it was a painful time. Yeah. It was actually, it was actually the most commonly used, uh, you know, smartphone platform out there. Yeah. Uh, you know, Palm obviously had its day. I had a Palm. Win- yeah, and then and then Windows Mobile came along, and and you know it was it was loved by the nerds and probably uh, <laughs> hated by by um, the non nerds in the room. But uh, I, I used to develop uh, a fair few apps for it and contribute to the space. So I've always had an underlying passion for mobile technology. Um, so so when Apple did their big reveal, you know I saw huge potential, and I was like, damn, you know I want to develop for that. So <laughs> I took I took it upon myself to. Um, to teach myself how to develop for the platform. Um, obviously, with a computer science background, it's actually not that hard to, to learn the new language, learn some of the paradigms around what makes an effective app on iOS. So, so I learned, um, and then, uh, saw, saw huge potential for, for health engine to have a mobile presence. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, set so, out and built it. Uh, probably didn't sleep much. Uh, probably <laughs> ate two minute noodles way too often. But yeah. <laughs> Built it and uh, and we released the first version. Wow, within about four weeks from start to finish. Yep, it's amazing. It's easy though. It's mm. easy. I can do it. No. <laughs> so, <clears throat> when you guys first started, how did you generate customers? Sure. So, so Health Engine obviously has its appointment marketplace, right? And I guess there's two sets of users at the end, end of the day. There's mm. the um, there's the patients who 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 can use the directory that can. They can view appointments, they can book appointments, and then you've got the practices who, who are basically our paying customers, um, and they uh, they publish the appointments, they publish their um, their online presence. Yeah. So um, when we first started off, we didn't have the online booking system, we didn't have the appointment marketplace, we had the online directory, um, and we um, we went through a lot of effort just trying to get content 
on there, right? So yeah. we, we would reach out to all sorts of different practices and practitioners and try and get the listings on the directory. And that was naturally a really good way for, for us to optimize our search ranking. Right. So, um, so there was sort of a two pronged approach around SEO and SEM. And that's how we saw most of our users come through, right? It was yeah. from Google. Um, so when I look back, you know, we definitely had, I guess, an oversaturation of demand from the patients. Um, and we had to invest a lot in our supply, right? Trying to get the practices on board after that. Wow. Um, so, so it was actually the, the users, like the, the patients that were actually Googling this clinic, that clinic, you yeah. guys were showing up yeah. and, they, and they were like, okay, I'll book. But the, the, the platform wasn't there at the time. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I think back to how, um, the regional health engine users interacted with the platform, yeah. right? We didn't have the booking system. So they were using the directory. They were trying to find a practitioner yeah. and then they pick up the phone and, and, and call the practice. And yeah. that's when we sort of lose, lose the user at that point. Mm. So we thought we'd bridge the gap and build the online booking system. Um, so when I think back to how we sort of got our first lot of practices to, to adopt a brand new product, a lot of it was just tapping into our network. So Marcus is a GP. He had, um, he, he's obviously got a lot of friends in that space who were willing to give it a shot. Um, wow. and, and I did, you know, much the same. So, wow. so I'd say that the first group of practices were largely from our, our friends. Um, and also, uh, you know, a, a small word, word of mouth effect. So they tell their friends and before yeah. you knew it, we had about 20 or 30 practices on board in WA. Yeah. So literally just door knocking your friends going, Hey, John Smith. Yeah. Um, yeah. Got this piece of software, give it a trial. And, yep. appara- and apparently what you guys did, and correct me if I'm wrong, was you said, Oh, look, we've got this software. Uh, it's a booking platform. It's in beta version. Can you be a tester? Mm-hmm. Can you be one of the beta users or? or yeah. Know? And it was quite rudimentary back then, right? So there wasn't much of what you'd see today with the live appointment times, you know, fully in- integrated into the practice management system. We built quite a rudimentary tool that set, sat in tandem with the practice management system. So it was actually up to the receptionist to publish times. Right. Um, and every time a booking request is submitted by a patient, it'd flash in this tool and not necessarily go into the practice management system automatically. Gotcha. So obviously a lot of that has changed since then, but, yeah, but you know, that, that, that was actually what our MVP was. Starting out, it was yeah. like a little bit clunky, you know, a little, you know, not completely integrated, but what yep. a cool, what a cool story. Yeah. Okay. So what, <clears throat> what was your biggest failure or one of your biggest failures as a co-founder of the business? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think of a lot of it comes down to thinking that we sort of had all the answers in the world. Mm. And it's actually quite easy to do that as an entrepreneur, right? You, you, you see the problems, you're trying to solve them, and then you kind yeah. of put yourself behind closed doors and try and solve it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes you sort of have to look externally for help or inspiration, right? And, you know, there was a time, and I remember, we, we, we would sit in the office and try and solve the problems on our own. But it wasn't until we engaged with more customers, you know, we, we saw what the leaders in the space were doing, um, be it here in Australia or, or abroad, um, even looked at what competitors were doing. Did we sort of, um, learn a lot of things and use that as a source of inspiration? So, you know, a lot, a lot of those learnings ultimately lead to, you know, a seed, a spark, right? A desire to sort of define what good looks like. And so mm. we would always challenge ourselves as a result of that to say, what does good look like? How can we be better? 
Mm. Right? How can we build a better product for our, for our customers? How can we refine our product development approach? How can we just work smarter, run faster, act leaner, all that sort of stuff? Mm. Um, so, um, so, you know, yeah, if I think back to the early days, it was probably one of our biggest failures, you know, not realizing mm. that that was actually quite a pivotal, um, um right. step in, so really, in product development. Oh man, I totally understand this because, you know, we've got developers here as well. And often you just want to just get into it and develop, like you said, closed doors. You might talk to a few people within your circle and then that's it kind mm-hmm. of thing. So, so you guys were very much like, let's go, let's do this without getting that feedback, constant feedback. Is that yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and especially in healthcare, right? I mentioned earlier that at the end of the day, we're all participants in this space. Mm. So it's actually quite easy to treat yourself as a proxy for the customer. And, and, and often the, is the case of that it's not right. Yeah. Every different person out there. Um, has a different set of problems, a different set of motivations, uh, a, yeah. you know, a different set of experiences. So it's actually really critical that you go out there and engage with the right people and get some brand new insight to help you solve your wow. problem. Wow. Wow. So what are your biz- <laughs> you guys have got a lot, but what are your bi- what's your biggest success, do you think? Sure. So I guess the flip side of that failure, right? Is, is, is that realization that you, you do need to have those conversations. Um, so mm. I, like I, w- I won't reiterate that point, but the other thing that I'll mention is, is probably one of our big, biggest success factors today is our adaptability, our, um, our ability to develop this cadence for rapid change. And I know change can be quite uncomfortable for a lot of people, but it's not the case for health engine. We actually really embrace change because we, we realize that the momentum that you build for today's successes may not be the momentum that you're, that, that's required for tomorrow. Um, so, you know, I look back to our growth trajectory. Our business has roughly doubled in, in, in headcount, um, yeah. uh, every, every year. And so we're over 150 people now. And, you know, obviously there are a lot of teething pains that come with it. But I think one of the things that we've, we've been able to do really well is to scale and preserve the values that we hold true. Yeah. Um, um, but you know, it, it's, it's not easy, right? It does require a lot of, uh, personal change and the ability to actually accommodate for that change. Yeah. Um, and you do have to give up some things, right? But at the end of the day, um, I, th- I think a lot of it comes down to an ability to focus on what matters. Yeah. Yeah. So, so just, just to the listeners, forgive me. I didn't, um, didn't clarify Darius's position in the company at the moment. So he's a co-founder, but you're also head of mobile. So tell yep. us a bit more about your role now. Yeah. So I, um, look, a lot of that just leverages my strengths around understanding the mobile space, right? Um, what, what a, uh, what a good mobile first strategy for the business mm. looks like. Um, but, uh, you know, very strongly related to that. I'm one of the product leaders in the business. So much of my focus today is, 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 um, helping health engine build a world class product organization. Um, you know, from finding the right people to building the right standards and processes to um, helping work on the vision and strategy for the business. So, why do why do you think most startups fail? Like, what, what are the what's like? <laughs> yeah, okay. a- a- any number of reasons, right? There's so in, in, many reasons, but I, I suppose what are the things that always hit your heart and you're like, oh, if you would only understand this. Yeah, I um. I think I've actually gotten a lot of insight when I used to, uh, used to mentor at Startup Weekend. Um, and I still do mentor at a fair few, uh, hackathons and whatnot, but mm. a lot of it, um, comes down to lack of validation, right? Oh. Um, and, and this goes back to that point that I made earlier, right? 
talk, talk to users, talk to your customers, right? And, and, and work out whether or not your hypothesis is going to hold true in the real world environment. Mm. And I've seen so many startups attempt to solve a problem and think that that is the golden solution. Wow. And 99% of the time, it's not. Wow. Right? Again, we went through this. We thought we had the golden solution and it wasn't. We, we, we've had to pivot so many times to refine <laughs> the solution. And even today, we continue to refine our approach. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's probably point number one. And then the second one, um, and, and related to that is an inability to pivot. Yeah. Um, or, so this stuck in your way. You just keep going, even though it's not working. You just yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. And, and I've even seen cases where those that do have the capacity to pivot don't do it fast enough. Right. Yep. Too slow. Now, why did you guys, you've touched on some of these points earlier, but why did you guys do so well? What, um, what, what makes you different from like the thousands, you know, or hundreds of thousands? Yeah, like uh, I, I don't necessarily think we're different, right? There's, there's a lot of startups out there that have done really well and they all have their own reasons. Um, but I think if I had to sum it up, ability to change, ability to prioritize and focus, um, mm. willingness to learn and uh, finding the right people who share the same values. Right. I think I think all of those, and I'm not saying that this is this is you know all the pieces of the puzzle for success for us, but I'd say they're probably one of the more important ones worth highlighting. Yeah. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go to uh, what do you think are the biggest keys? to success for you as a technology expert like because you love technology mm-hmm. um, but you're one of the quote-unquote nerds that actually <laughs> I believe has people skills and actually understands the big picture um, but if you know if you were to give advice to a technology person whether it's a coder or, or whoever consultant what would you say are the biggest keys to success as a technology expert it, it really depends on what that person is trying to do like what right. they want to get out of uh, out of their career. Um, yeah. I know some some amazing coders out there, far better than I'll ever be. Mm. Um, that they may not have the best people skills, right? But they're really good at what they do. Mm. And so the first thing I definitely say is just work out, you know, where where you want to take your right. where you want to take your career. And then once you settle on that, work out what are the skills required to make mm. you really successful in that role. Mm. Um, so. You know, product managers, for example, what I think makes a really effective product manager is that they have a really good appreciation for business design and technology, right? They don't necessarily need to kill it in every area, but they yeah. need to be able to appreciate it. And I've seen some really top-notch product managers who are really good in one area, not so good in the other two, but they at least have a good appreciation for it, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, the other trait I'd say is, is, is really, uh, required for an effective product manager is an ability to prioritize and work out what's important. Mm. So for me, right, you, you know, when we talk about, uh, myself personally, what I think is, what I think's helped me, right, is that I've worked out what it is that I want to do. And at the end of the day, it's to hone in on product development. Yep. And you're very focused on that. You don't get distracted. Like, you know what you're going to do, what you have to do. And yeah. Um, look, it's always, there's always a temptation to, to be distracted by the new and shiny and the upcoming stuff. But at mm. the end of the day, I think I know where I can add the most amount of value. Mm. Um, and I think I also know where I can derive the most amount of value. And mm. that largely centers in on product. Yeah. So 
um, you know, yes, I've got a background in computer science. I know how to code. And, you know, I love technology. I can see the, t- uh, the tech trends. Mm. Um, you know, I've led teams before. So, you know, I've had to refine my, um, my leadership skills. Mm. And I think all of that has helped me be who I am today. Um, but I wouldn't have got there just on my university degree alone, right? <laughs> a lot of it comes from learning. You know, I've read all the right books, which I think have helped me. And, and I'll continue to discover some really great books out there. I network, um, you know, I go to the conferences if I think that I'm, I'm going to get a lot of value from them. Oh, awesome. Because you just answered my next question, which was, and I asked almost everyone this, how, how do you train um, your skills? So, you obviously read, mm-hmm. read books. Yeah. Are there particular books that you're excited, you, you've been excited about recently? So, the book is called Hooked and the mm. subtitle is called How to Build Habit-Forming Products. Mm. And um, what this book really talks about is is some of the things that, the users ultimately uh, uh, not necessarily look for, but I guess they're things which sort of instinctively make them keep using the product, right? Right. So, they like how do you, you know, get people addicted to a product? Yeah. You know, like, so, so um, that's yeah, cool. I, I guess addicted is a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> the it, non-PC way. Yeah, it, 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 I like it's, that. It, it's like Facebook, right? Like why do so many people just open the app and scroll? Because yep. Facebook works out what, what you tap on, right? What you yeah. um, what you end up uh, spending a lot of time on. So, like that notification thing on the bottom right. Yeah, the, the notifications, phone. but oh. also like if you've tapped on one cat video, yeah, right. The next time you open the app, you're going to get another cat. You're going to get another one. Yeah, yeah. and and what do you sure. do? You tap on it because you love cat videos, right? So so it, you know <laughs> it, it's, it's it's all that sort of stuff. The secret sauce that uh, really hooks. makes you, yeah, hence the um, name, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess get addicted to the app. Um, there's another book out there called Sprint, mm. um, and it's by a fellow called Jake Knapp. And basically, what okay. he's what he's uh, um, what he talks about in the book is is basically the uh, the design sprint process by Google Ventures. Um, mm. And look, I I love the process. I think there's 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 some really good stuff for it, stuff in it. But I also know that it doesn't work for every company either. So. Yeah. Um, for what it's worth, we haven't necessarily implemented that particular sprint process in Health Engine today. Yeah. But there's a lot of cool insight in there, which, you know, I hope to sort of leverage and, 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 uh, introduce, um, as our product development process, uh, awesome. continues to refine itself. And then, um, there's another book called Traction. So this mm-hmm. is, uh, uh, Traction, a startup guide to getting customers. Um, this is one of the books that I read in the earlier days and it was just really useful for me to understand. Um, you know, how to get, uh, how to attract the right customers and how to get them on board. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. So, out of all those, which one was your favorite? Um, I really liked Hooked, actually. Yeah. Um, I it's, thought so. uh, yeah, it, 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 it sort of really goes into some of the user psychology. Um, yeah. and yeah, it's just immensely interesting. Yeah. So, you mentioned that. So, you obviously read books. Yep. Now, do you read, how, how often do you read books? It really depends. Like I set myself a milestone to read, wow. um, uh, you know, at least an hour a day. And, I'll let, oh, and really? an hour can actually get you quite far. It doesn't always happen for all sorts of different reasons, but um, it, it's what I try and do. Um, and then I travel a fair bit. Uh, so I go between Perth and Sydney uh, quite often mm. and I'll, I'll uh, try and take the time that I'm on the plane to, to get through books as well. Wow. And um, 
what kind of books do you read? Is it usually around your field, like product development type books, or do you read a range of books? Or uh, largely around product development, but not always. Um, so a colleague of mine recommended uh, me a book, and I haven't started this yet, but it's a book called Essentialism. Um, mm. And you know, I um, the other the other staff in the office can't um, tell me enough good things about it. And at its core, it's not about product development, right? It's about mm. working out what's essential, working out what to prioritize, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, so, you know, that, that's an example of one book, which doesn't necessarily touch product. Um, you know, I've read books on how to find the right people. Um, mm. and, and, you know, I think all of these are just ultimately essential skills, uh, as a leader in a business that you really just need to absorb, um, and work out how to best apply it. Yeah. Well, wow. now you mentioned before leadership. Yep. And I really want to understand how did you improve those skills, train those skills? Uh, time, experience, for sure, um, and screwing up without it up, right? Like, <laughs> just doing it. Yeah, just, just doing it and, yeah. and screwing up and working out where you made a mistake, um, getting feedback from, from, from those who sort of look up to you yeah. is really pivotal as well because, right. um, you know, at the end of the day, Leadership can take all sorts of different uh, ways, right? I've seen the leaders out there who who think they've got all the ideas, and 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 it's not the kind of leadership that I really believe in. Um, it's the ones where you know I think that those who who sort of look up to me and respect me, I'd really like to be able to get their feedback and help them drive me to be a better leader for them. Yeah, well, um, and <clears throat> in terms of you go to conferences as well, you mentioned. Yeah. So do you? set yourself milestones for that or does that just kind of come about how, how, how does that yeah I, I i don't i don't really set myself milestones for conferences like i'll i'll definitely want to go to one if i think there's a lot of value to be had but if you know if there's a year where there's just no conferences which i think stand out to me i'm, I'm not gonna i'm not yeah. gonna go for the sake of going yeah. um so the most recent one i went to was was mine the product um and that was in san francisco in june and that's sort of a a global product meetup where product mm. managers, designers, engineers, um, heads of product, they all sort of, uh, gather in one spot. And I think, um, I think this year we had about 1500 to 2000 people. Oh. Um, and look, the content was great. I think even better was just the networking opportunities. Mm. And that's where I think I derive most of the value from, uh, in terms the of conferences. contacts. Yeah. The contacts, just networking, having, Having chats to everyone, you know, sharing problems, um, talking about what people have done to try and solve those problems. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's just really inspiring. Well, wow. um, podcast. You listen to podcasts, um, or any audio stuff? Yeah, I, I do listen. To, uh, look, part of the whole reading books is I cheat a little. Sometimes I I, I do audio, audible, right? Yeah. So um, so on my daily commute to the office, I'll, yeah. I'll spin up an audio book and, and, Audio's, and listen audible's to it. Audible good. Yeah. Um. Podcasts are sort of, uh, I don't listen to podcasts religiously. Yeah. I'll listen to it if there's some interesting content yeah. being described. You look at the title. Um, but, but yeah, but it's definitely more ad hoc. Yeah, beautiful. I have a question around, um, your, your idols. So is there anyone that you look up to, whether it was the late Steve Jobs or whether it's, you know, um, Jeff Bezos? Like, like, who, who do you look up to? Yeah. Look, I, I definitely respect the visionaries of the world. I think, um, um, you know, your Elon Musk, your Steve Jobs, they've, they've obviously, uh, you know, built their empire. Um, and there's a lot to be, to be said about, you know, what they've done and, and how they've gotten there. Um, but 
one one person that I, I, I generally look up to is, is a guy by the name of Ken Norton. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so, I don't know if many have heard, uh, heard of him before. But no, but it's cool. Like, I like the niche people that yeah know. he's um and you know he, he he's definitely not at the same level as 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 jobs or, or the musks of the world right but mm. um this is a guy who uh for me exemplifies product leadership right, right. And he 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 runs his own site he um releases some really good newsletters um and he's quite an avid reader as well and and a lot of the books that i end up reading are, are books that he recommends Mm. Um, and I had the opportunity to, to have a quick chat with him when I was in San wow. Francisco and, um, and yeah, he's just, he's, he's just full of knowledge, full of experience. Um, and for me really embodies what good looks like in terms yeah. of product leadership. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So <clears throat> another question I have is, um, for people that either that want to actually develop something, whether it's a startup, whether it's an established business like, like ours that want to create a new, a new product line, uh, and, the, and they want to create a product that's in the technology space, right? Whether it's an online portal, whether it's an sub- online subscription model, whether whatever it is, a platform, digital platform. What are the first couple of things they need to do? Like, like is the first thing that they need to do is to get validation? Is the first, do they need to document something? Like, what, how do people start? It's a bit of a loaded question, right? Well, I guess it sort of depends on what it is they're trying to do. Like, for example, if someone says, I want to create um, an app that does XYZ mm-hmm. to make life easier for XYZ people and I want them to pay XYZ subscription every month sure. to do that. Sure. So, so, that is, so, they come up with a hypothesis and, and hopefully there's... There's a there's a problem or there's a white space out there that's sort of driving that that belief, right? Um, I will say research definitely helps. Just go out there, see if it's a thing, see if it's what people are wanting, right? Um, you know, you can build the greatest app in the world and 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 you know make it free even, right? If the value proposition isn't there, people aren't going to use it. So do the research. Um, look at what the leaders are doing. Look at what the competitors are doing. Um, and, and importantly, just go out there and validate it, right? You, you've got this hypothesis. Go out there and, and, and find some potential customers. See if it's what they want. See, um, see if it really sort of solves some particular pain points or really opens up a new world for them, mm-hmm. which they're ultimately going to derive value from. Um, and, um, you know, this, this idea around, you know, what's it, what's it worth to them, right? Should ultimately dictate their willingness to pay for something. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if, especially, especially if you, you're talking greenfields, you got no products, right? If you're starting from the ground up, I wouldn't necessarily get too caught up on, you know, the how much and, and, and the mm. fine details. It's really to just approach it quite broadly and go, mm. okay, here's a hypothesis. And once I've validated it, I'll have plenty of scope to refine my approach through, you know, more customer interviews mm. through just trial and error. Um, and so. Uh, you know, that, uh, I think fundamentally yeah. that, that's what's most critical. Yeah, so it still comes back to the validation yep. yeah, and the market research. Okay, so what's the future of Health Engine over the next one, three, five years? Yeah, look, I mean, w- without a doubt, much of Health Engine's successes have been based off our online booking system and appointment marketplace. But, um, you know, there's only so much I can share. Uh, I think if I told you everything, I'd have to kill you afterwards. Um, <laughs> Um, but I will share the ethos that we believe in and, and 
it's fundamentally supporting a shift from practice and practitioner-centric care to one that's patient-centered but practice-aligned, mm. if that makes sense, right? So if I think about healthcare um, decades ago, you'd get sick and go to a practitioner. A practitioner tells you what's wrong with you and hopefully comes up with a solution and and that's kind of it, right? And yeah. then life goes on until the next time that you get sick. So it's actually quite a reactive approach to healthcare. Um, so I do believe in a world where healthcare fundamentally becomes more patient-centered. Patients are empowered to take control of their own health. Patients are more proactive with the steps they take to leading a healthier lifestyle. But also, when it, when when it comes time to actually go to the practitioner, they're more informed, they're more educated, right? And they know that whatever the practitioner tells them is hopefully right advice and they know how to adhere to it as well. Mm. So, I don't think it's a world where the practitioner is ever replaced and I don't ever want to see a world where that's replaced. Mm. But I do think that there's a world where we can really empower the patients. And at the end of the day, um, you know, health engine wants to play in that space. Yeah, so we're going to well. build and um, we're going to build products that we consider to be um, those that add delight and value to every user who uses Health Engine and wow. one that really supports them in that shift in, in healthcare delivery. Wow. And really empowering them in terms Correct. of understanding health and themselves and their own bodies. Yep. So there is a, a legend has it that you have created that years ago you created an app that um, – that still makes you money today. <laughs> Tell us about this app. And we talked about this like yeah. eight years ago or whatever. Yeah, it's actually more than one app. <laughs> <laughs> well, apps. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I've built all sorts of random apps. Um, <laughs> Just it, for kicks. Yeah, it, even in the Windows mobile days, I helped build a, um, a, a remote control app that sat on your pocket oh, right. PC that controlled uh, Windows Media Center. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you remember that. Um, no. and then, and then, yeah, when iOS came up and they opened the ecosystem to third party developers, I built this, this aspect ratio calculator to help yeah, photographers and, and, and bloggers. And, uh, uh, it, it was, it was largely done at the request of a friend who really had a need for it. So I just built it for, for, for kicks really. And it seems to pay for my daily coffee, which is always nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Yeah. Do you still do a lot of that or? Is- you know, you got a baby now, so yeah, uh, not so much. I have built some other apps since then, but uh, yeah. yeah, these days it, it's pretty much Health Engine, yeah, and uh, spending family. time with the family. family. So, congrats to you, obviously, new addition to the family. Thank you, keeping you up at night. How yeah, many definitely. hours of sleep did you have last night? Uh, probably about four or five, which is well, I guess good, which is good, <laughs> which is good for a new parent. Yeah, but Darius, is there anything else that you're passionate about that you'd, you'd like to share? Um. Yeah, you know, I, I've always been into technology, you know, and I guess it's the flavors of the month right now, data, machine learning, artificial intelligence, VR, AR, love all that stuff and continue to follow that. Um, but when I look more generally, I'm actually really passionate about building out the product development community here in Perth, um, as, as well as just Australia generally. So, uh, you know, spending time with, uh, with some really, uh, experienced individuals in San Francisco, sort of really opened up my eyes um, with regards to what good product development looks like. And, uh, you know, there are some businesses in Australia who get it and obviously some of the real success stories, your Atlassians, your Canvas out there who have done pretty well in that regard. Yeah. But there are many companies out there who approach product development from a different lens. Uh, so one of the things that I did um, after I attended Mind the Product was I brought Product Tank. So Product Tank's the, the global brand for product meetups. I brought that to right. Perth and we had our first meetup 
Uh, I think it was about a month and a half ago. And we're, we're about to schedule our next one uh, over the coming oh, month wow. as well. So um, for anyone that's really interested in product, you know, you can be a product manager, a product leader, designer, engineer, or, or just someone who's, who's looking for a new career path, really encourage you to, to register. You can find it on meetup.com and, uh, and, and you know, hope, hope to see you at the next session. Really. Oh, wow. So what's it called again? Uh, product Tank. Product Tank. And you had that up? Yeah. And it's a glo- it's part of a global. It's part of brand. a global brand of of uh, of product meetups. So um, here in Australia, there's a Sydney division, there's a Melbourne division as well. Brisbane started up not long after Perth did. Yep. And I think Canberra literally um, spun itself up about a week ago. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'll I'll put that on the show notes as well, and I'll I'll promote that. Okay. So look, thanks so much, Darius. Um, yeah. Really, really enjoyed today, mate. That was awesome. So yeah, all the best for you and Health Engine. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers. Uh, 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 uh.